What's up, everybody, and welcome to the very first ever episode of the Dynasty Diehards. I'm Nate Paulboat. I'm your host just for today. Usually, it will be the one and only Joe Pepe, who, if you know who he is, you know he has won a reality competition that was much like Ninja Warrior on CBS. This dude is a hoss. We're going to miss him today. But I'm joined by the one and only John Helmkamp. John, how are you today, man? You know, I'm uh, I'm hanging in. Um, I want to cut my foot off at the moment, but other than that, I'm I'm doing good. Um, I I probably yeah. recommend you don't do that. Just probably just going to throw it out there. Keep the foot. I think that's a good idea. Same. Well, guys, if you're curious what we're going to do, there are a ton of dynasty shows out there. We understand that, but we're a little bit different. We're not going to throw a bunch of numbers and stats and things you don't care about out. This is for the common man who wants to play dynasty and doesn't feel like spending 30 hours during the season per week or off season, just trying to consume content, run numbers, that's what we do for a living. We're going to do it for you. John, I'm excited, man. Yeah, me too. Um, I love how quickly this thing just came together. I mean, we're just chatting. Um, you know, you and Joe invited me on a Twitter space. And afterwards, I was like, dude, we should totally do a show. And you guys are like, yeah, we should do that. And here we are. So um, it's cool. I'm, I'm happy to, to be back and, and to get to do this with you guys. You know, I respect both your work a ton. I think it's going to be a, a really good, informative, but easy to digest show. And we're going to keep it that way. And we're going to keep it light. And if you guys are ever listening and you think that we're sounding way too pretentious and like know-it-alls, please just tell us to shut up and we will. Um, so we're going to keep this really like simple and yeah, you'll get stats. Yeah. You'll get information, but we want to assume that the people listening don't know this information already. And we're going to give that information to them. Exactly. This is something I could have used when I was getting into Dynasty, and that's kind of where the idea came into my head. And I'm so glad we were able to put this together. I want to shout out the guys at Razzball for letting us come on their platform and do this every week. We will be here every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have some guests. We're going to have some fun. We're not terribly serious people, so we'll mostly have a smile on our face through all of this. I'm really excited. I want to shout out Brad in the chat, buddy, all the way down, all the way down in Australia. All the way down under, really stoked. What, what time audience. is it there? What time I, is it there? I think it's like, oh, Brad, I do believe it's like 8, 8 a.m., somewhere around there, 7, 8 a.m. The next day, it's Thursday in Australia, John. Oh, cool. So Brad yeah. can have his morning cup of coffee with us. That works. Exactly. I yeah. love it. All right, guys, we're going to get into it. The first thing we want to do, and this is, we will do this every week, is we're just going to kind of look around the league, look at what news we've got going on. And what does it mean for your dynasty rosters? Do you need to act on it today? Is it something you need to wait and see? Should you be making moves? Should you be dropping players? Should you be adding players? We'll tell you. We're going to start off probably the most expected coach firing so far that we've had. Cliff Kingsbury. Looks like the Cardinals might be falling off a cliff here, John. They lost Steve <laughs> at the same time. So what, what does this mean for Arizona? Because we know Kyler Murray is going to miss the first part of next season. Yeah, um, that's inevitable. Yeah, it, it sure seems like it. There's also reports that they're going to be uh, shopping DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. They lose their head coach. They lose their GM. I mean, it's it's like a full, you know, pretty much rebuild other than the quarterback position if, if they still believe in Kyler and, you know, he's locked up on a contract for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. You know, the, the reports 
today where that Sean Payton um, is a candidate for that job in Arizona, which could be really interesting. He apparently has liked Kyler Murray for a long time. And if there's no general manager and he's like the first one in the door, you know, maybe he's the one running the ship like a Bill Belichick sort of situation up in New England. So it's going to be interesting to watch in terms of dynasty value. I think with all the turmoil and with the injury for Kyler, if you are a fan of his game, I'm not the hugest Kyler fan. I know for fantasy, he's productive because he can run. Um, now might be a good time to to go float an offer if you're especially in a rebuilding roster where you're not needing, you know, production from him early in the season next year. Well, Kyler's an interesting case because we've seen him as high as PPR QB three, his second season, his rookie season, it was the PPR QB six. I guess PPR doesn't really apply here. I'm just so used <laughs> to saying it. He was a QB six, QB three, QB 10. Even last season, only playing 14 games. Did it feel to you though? Cause it felt to me like his heart wasn't in it this season. He was frustrated with the situation. He yeah. was frustrated with the coaching staff. Does that change if they bring in say Sean Payton? Cause I think it does. I mean, I think it does too. Um, I think that getting Sean Payton in there and, you know, Drew Brees was not a tall quarterback. So if anyone can maximize Kyler's uh, lack of height and also the ability to get him in space and get him on the move and, and stuff like that, I think that Sean Payton could really design an offense that would work well for his skill set. Kyler gets a lot of flack because of the Call of Duty stuff and how he, you know, never wins games on weekends where there's a Call of Duty bonus, whatever. But I mean, for fantasy football, he's under contract. If he gets Sean Payton, I think his value immediately will increase. So I think that now is a good time if you're bought into Kyler and into his skill set to go out and get him. We saw Greg Dortch show up and be productive this year. They have uh, Trey McBride, rookie tight end this year, who looked really good down the stretch. So there's still pieces in that offense. There's talent on that team. And I think leadership is a big part of it. And if you have someone like Sean Payton come in, set a culture, give good leadership, and be able to keep Kyler Murray you know, mentally engaged, then yeah, I think that his best days are in front of him. And I agree. They just, it, it's kind of like the situation in Denver, which we'll get to at some point here, but yeah. quarterbacks are really dependent on scheme for the most part. And if the offense doesn't run a scheme that's beneficial, how are these guys going to be successful? I think Drew Locke's a good example. I think he could have been successful in Denver if Pat Shermer would have schemed for him, but Shermer just never did that. He forced him into an offense he wasn't comfortable with. I think the same yeah. happened with Wilson and Hackett. I am curious to see because Mir Murray just got that huge extension. Okay. So yeah. obviously this team's not going to give up on him. You bring in Sean Payton. I think if they bring in Sean Payton, I think they retain DeAndre Hopkins because that's a big piece of that offense. Or they decide to go into rebuild mode, which it's hard to tell what they're going to do right now. I'm buying in on McBride regardless of situation. Oh yeah. I, I love McBride. Fairly low in dynasty right now. So you can get him for, relatively cheap cheaper than you're going to be able to get him in two three months once they have a coach we've gone through the draft james connor is another piece do you think they try and move his contract i think so um i think that he's a pretty easy trade candidate for them especially if they are looking to rebuild at all they have the third overall pick like this is a team that is going to have opportunities either to stick there and take a you know high impact defensive player most likely or potentially be a trade candidate um, depending upon how the top two picks go in front of them. So they're in a position to, you know, really do things. They could also go offensive line at three. 
you know, they, they could go yeah. with, with an offensive tackle, like Paris Johnson out of Ohio state or something like that. Um, that would be a little bit early for him. There's some defensive players. I think that are ranked higher, but if they have Sean Payton in house and their goal is we need to set Kyler Murray up for success, going offensive line could be on the table. So yeah, I, I think that they've got a lot of options in front of them. I love Trey McBride. I loved his talent coming out of college. He's a great asset in dynasty. Um, the running back position there in Arizona is probably not one that I'm buying into. And there's a lot of uncertainty in the running back position across the league this year, in this off season, really with the free agency class and stuff like that. I'm kind of going to wait on running back to shake out a lot in a lot of situations before I kind of decide to, to pounce. I like this. So we've got a question in the chat from Richard. How early are agents taking Kyler in startups? I'm going to be honest. I'm in a startup right now. I'm staying away from Kyler Murray. It's too iffy for me. He could, the talent's there, but I'm concerned with the injury history and his style of play. Kyler yeah. kind of holding me back from wanting to take him too early. Yeah. I mean, if this is a, a two quarterback league, I think there's going to be someone in the draft that is chasing his upside more than I would be willing to kind of like what you're saying. Um, in a two quarterback league, I mean, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable drafting him much higher than like the third round, maybe at the absolute highest. And I think that there's someone that's going to probably want to take him sooner than that. So yeah, it's oh, yeah. probably he's a situation not, where I wouldn't get him. He's not lasting until the third round. No, no, no. I think he's already gone in the startup I'm doing and we're not even through the second round. So yeah, I, I believe it. See, there's someone that's going to look at that rushing upside and go, Oh, he's a Konami code quarterback. And I'm going to get that production from him. But you know, coming off the injury, you have to expect that that rushing production when he does get back on the field next year is not going to be what we've seen in years past. So like I said, if you're a rebuilding dynasty team, I think he's worth trading for and trying to buy low for production two years from now. But I don't think that if you're looking to contend or wanting to be competitive this next year, that he's someone that you should really be going after. Yep, that makes sense. So now what's Cliff Kingsbury's future? Uh, offensive coordinator at Alabama. I don't know. Like, I, I, I could <laughs> see it. You don't think he sticks around as a coordinator in the NFL? I think that he could. I think that I think he's more suited for a coordinator, but his whole, you know, everything about him, all the hype on him coming out of college was this innovative air raid offense that he ran at Texas Tech. So if the offense is supposed to be the bread and butter and the offense has looked really stagnant at times in the NFL, I think there's concerns about the appeal of him being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He doesn't use uh, motion like hardly at all. And when you have so much speed and skill on that offense, I don't know why he wasn't more intent on putting more misdirection into play design to get Kyler moving, to get defenses having to adjust. It was just like, we're going to line them up four wide and here we go. Well, defenses are going to catch on to that and figure out how to defend against it. So I, I don't know. I think that he could get a, a coordinator job. I don't think he's an NFL head coach. Um, so I think it's offensive coordinator either at the NFL level or a high profile college that wants to give him a whole bunch of money. So you know what that means, right? What? That means the Texans are going to hire him as their next head coach. So Absolutely. To the bank. <laughs> put money on it in Vegas. All right. It's oh. January 11th. Let's write this down. It's 8, nope, 6, 12 p.m. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Got it. All right. So let's move on to our next topic. The Green Bay Packers kind of embarrassingly lost to a Detroit Lions team that had nothing to play for. 
when Green Bay, all they needed to do was win and get into the playoffs, they couldn't do it. Now, despite the turnaround early on in the season, is Aaron Rodgers out at least in Green Bay? Here's the way that I'm approaching the Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm assuming that he's coming back until I hear otherwise, because we've done this off-season song and dance, look at me, drama. Oh, but he posted this Instagram post with Miles Teller in Hawaii. What does that mean about him being invested in playing football? I, I just don't care until until I know. It's I think it's it's hard to speculate. I think that he comes back until we hear otherwise. He has a lot of money on the table that he would be sacrificing if he stepped away. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to think about a situation where he's not the quarterback in Green Bay. It would just be weird. So I don't know. I think it's either Green Bay or retirement. I don't know that he tries to go the you know, one year deal somewhere else rather like force his way on a trade to like the jets or something. Like, I, I don't know that we'd see that out of Aaron Rodgers. I think that he's either just going to step away entirely or he's back in Green Bay next off season and told them, okay, but you better get me a wide receiver this time. <laughs> so, okay. I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like his ego won't allow him to retire, but I think he wants to be done in Green Bay. That's just kind of my gut feeling. It sounds like Alan Lazard wants out, which tells me that he thinks that possibly Aaron Rodgers is out. But I think he's going to keep playing. He could A, replace Tom Brady in Tampa Bay when Brady bounces to Vegas, because that's going to happen. God. He could go to New York, but I think that's probably not as likely. I think Derek Carr ends up in New York. Uh, he could go to, I mean, Indy's going to be looking for a quarterback. There's a lot of teams that need Carol- a quarterback. Carolina is looking for a quarterback. Houston's looking for a quarterback. Oh, well, Houston's, Houston's, Houston's gonna, there's, no, there's no way in hell. Well, Houston's drafting a quarterback, so we can just forget about that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if we play quarterback carousel and Carr goes to the Jets, Brady goes and rejoins Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, and Aaron Rodgers goes and takes Aaron or Tom Brady's spot in Tampa Bay, that would be like the craziest offseason of quarterback movement ever it's entirely possible but there's so much money on the table i feel like it's it's just really hard to think that he's not back in green bay even though he's soured on the situation i i I don't know i think there's just a a pridefulness to him where it's like i want to be the best green bay you know quarterback of all time and you can make the case you know now that he is but i think he still wants one more ring in green bay like that's just my speculation on the matter. And if he feels like he can get that done there, they have talent on their team. This year was a, a weird, like first half or second half Jekyll and Hyde situation that defense showed that they can play. So if they go out and try to make moves this off season to, you know, increase the, uh, the wide receiver production that they have on that team and stop relying so heavily on running back, then maybe he's back. I don't know. I, I can see a situation in which he comes back. What if it's DeAndre Hopkins to Green Bay? We were just talking about D-Hop. What if that happens? Uh, Then he stays, but they don't make that move unless he's planning on staying. It's a chicken and egg situation, right? Like, hey, we'll go make this move, Aaron, if you're coming back, but we need to know that you're coming back. And he's going, well, I'm not coming back unless you make the move. So, Or as our friend Brad Bolt points out, he gets 50 million. Oh, he just corrected himself in the chat. 60 million if he comes back next year. So I... Hopkins to Green Bay, Brady stays. I don't think, okay, I will say this. I don't see any way that Tom Brady stays in Tampa. 
he either retires or he goes to Vegas. Now, if he retires, if he retires one year after Giselle asked him to retire and it led to his divorce, that would be messed up. Yeah, that would be really messed up. I don't think, I don't think he thinks he's done. And he showed flashes of still being a really talented quarterback at 45 years old. That asshole. Um, (laughs) Do not appreciate it, sir. You're making me feel very bad about myself. (laughs) TV 12 method, man. Got to get that avocado toast in the morning. Oh, I don't think that's enough for me, man. I don't think that's even remotely (laughs) enough. So let's pivot to this real quick. Tom Brady. I, I just, I can't see him hanging it up. I mean, I think Las Vegas would be crazy. They, they were in on him when he was leaving uh, New England. You know, that was one of the rumored destinations at the time. And now they have Devontae Adams there. So, I mean, you have an elite wide receiver. You have your former offensive coordinator for, you know, ever up in New England and Josh McDaniels. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that would probably make sense and it would be mental to see it happen, but I don't think that he's done. I think part of him, he literally chose football over his family this last offseason and it led to his divorce. There's no way that he's just going to go, okay, I'm done now. Like, he's got to prove that he made the right choice and stick with football for another three years. Like, he he needs to stick around and prove himself right and not look like a giant a-hole to his ex-wife. So... I think that he, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think the football is his identity and his life. And I think that that's going to be a constant for a few more years. Well, it makes sense. I mean, like you said, he basically gave up his marriage to keep playing. And I felt like there's part of him. that's like, I got to catch George Blanda. I got to catch, catch George Blanda. Blanda. God, if that's the, if that's the one ghost that Brady is chasing, then he's just looking for things to chase at this point. Gordy Howe. Go play <laughs> hockey, my man. So Brad Bolt. Tom Brady to Miami because Miami is dumb and they trade Tua, or Tua doesn't Tua doesn't come back. I mean, these, this concussion situation, my man, he still hasn't cleared protocol. Yeah, we're two and a half weeks out from his last one. He's had three this season. That's the kind of concussion series that does make a player retire. Do you think that's on the table for Tua right now? I think everything has to be on the table. I think especially with how hyper the conversation was around that situation earlier this year when he you know hit his head hard clearly got up went off the field came back on the field was then later ruled out again like there's so much around it and so much attention on him I mean it it would suck like I love Tua and he was just coming into his own and posting incredible numbers with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle but I think that it has to be considered like if I'm his family I'm telling him like this ain't worth it this ain't worth it. You got to hang it up like that many concussions. We're talking, we're talking to players, you know, long-term cognitive function here after football. We're not talking about football. Well, we know so much more now about what these head injuries actually do long-term. So I wouldn't be surprised. And if he does, the dude's got a long career as an analyst. He can work in television for the next 40 years and people will love him until the day he retires. All right, John. So now we've got another one that you wanted to talk about. It didn't have yes. this originally up here. The Bears. The Bears, baby. We're back. And by back, I mean have the first overall draft pick. Um, They're trading that, right? They have to. Like, I'll, listen, we're going to hear rumors of them trading Justin Fields for the next four months. And it's going to make me sick to my stomach every time. And it's going to cause me to get a few more gray hairs in the beard. 
Um, there's no way they're doing that. I think that they are just hyping up the value of the pick even more before trading it. Indianapolis has already been on record. Chris Ballard, like yesterday, I think it was, where he was saying, if we think there's a franchise quarterback in the draft, we are going to do whatever it takes. And if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm going, all right, sweet, Chris, how you doing? So yes, they have to hype up the value of this pick to a degree, but they don't really because Houston's at number two. If any team sees one of these quarterbacks as being the guy that they want to make their franchise quarterback, all they have to do is get in front of Houston. So it doesn't matter what Chicago would want to do. Chicago can come out tomorrow and say, Justin Fields is our dude. We're excited about his future. We think that we saw a lot of growth out of him. We think that an offseason of surrounding him with protection and talent is going to do wonders for his development. They can say that the, the trade value doesn't go down on that pick at all because people need to get in front of Houston. Or Houston has to get in front of everyone else and trade up one spot with Chicago to secure that they have the one-on-one and that they can take the quarterback that they want. So I think we're going to see a feeding frenzy for that, for that pick. I think it has to be traded. I think anything less than trading out of that is a wasted golden opportunity for a franchise that needs a lot of help and has a crazy amount of cap space. Like they have so much flexibility right now. They're going to have $101 million in cap space, 40 million more than the next team on the list going into this next season. You have cap space. You have the first overall pick. It's time to do some magic and turn that into like a young proven stud wide receiver, a Chris Godwin, a DJ Moore, a T Higgins, go trade one of them. Like, Take that first overall pick, trade back for a haul of picks, use some of those picks to go out and get a wide receiver like that, use other picks to shore up your offensive line. Like you have so many opportunities. Yes. And it's going to drive me crazy for the next four months waiting on Brian Poles to do something. <laughs> Isn't that that's the life? That's the life of a football fan, a fantasy God. player, an analyst. <clears throat> I'm kind of in a similar position with the Broncos right now because as we know, Nathaniel Hackett's out. They traded away their next two years worth of first round picks. And while they acquired one from Miami, it's not a great pick. It's not, we're looking at that being in a probably 20th, 21st, 22nd pick if they lose somewhere around that neighborhood. So no, Miami, Miami forfeited their first round pick. They traded it to the Broncos. No, that pick, that pick was forfeited. Um, they got a pick. There was another pick that they had. It was a pick that they had traded for. Cause I know Denver got a first round from Miami in that Bradley Chubb trade. That's weird. Cause Tank- Tankathon's showing that the 22nd overall pick, which would be Miami is forfeited. That's interesting. Um, I will have to look into that while you're talking. Well, I know, I know what I read, John. All right, come on. I'm not crazy. <laughs> if it's on the internet, it has to be true. <laughs> exactly. I saw it on Twitter. So we know it was real. It was definitely verified. Here's the thing with Denver is I think they're just, I think they just need a coach. And I think they just need their offensive line to get healthy. And then we're talking about, cause look at Russ's last two games. You got rid of Nathaniel Hackett, his office, awful, awful scheme. Joe Rosenberg comes in. He runs a scheme that Russell Wilson likes 25 and 30 PPR fantasy points. Again, I didn't need to say the PPR. <laughs> it's all good. 25, 25 against Kansas City, 30 against the Chargers. Those are two division games, and I know they didn't mean anything to the Broncos, but three, four touchdowns over those last two games. He only threw two picks, thank God, after a three-pick game against the Rams. Jerry Judy played really well those last two games. I mean, Judy him, looked really good. Judy looked phenomenal. I think Cor- the Cortland Sutton experiment's done in Denver. I do believe, I, so. I don't think he's got much left on his contract. I'll have to look that up real quick. 
He could be a cut candidate actually this year, I think. Uh, I think they no, he is under contract until 2025. He signed that extension. Oh, that's right. Last off I was thinking it was through 2024 and that they might have an out a year I early, can, but it's maybe they trade Cor- they trade Corlett Sutton to the Bears. Hey, there you go. I'd take it. Yeah, yeah he had a four-year contract for sixty million. He is under contract through two twenty twenty-five. Yeah, I've got it pulled up here. No. I think they could trade him. I mean, his contract isn't terrible, really. There isn't a ton left on it. What would you take as a Denver's Denver fan uh, for Cortland Sutton? What would you be looking for in compensation? Probably a second round pick and a vet. Probably something. I think that's I think that's steep. I don't know if you're going to get that much. You really think that's too steep for a a guy who showed that if he's the alpha receiver, think about how good he was with crappy Drew Locke, John. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe this team gets a new coach that starts using Cortland Sutton, and this turns into more of a three receiver set more regularly. We saw Albert O get involved the last two weeks too in this Denver offense, which I thought was kind of interesting now that Hackett was gone, who said he was going to use him as a receiver. So I drafted a ton of him and then he didn't use him as a receiver. I hey, I like traded for him. him. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, this, uh, I think these are the three four, real four situations that I'm really curious about right now, because I think we have an idea what's going to happen in Vegas. I think we have an idea that Tampa Bay is probably about to go into rebuild. Aaron Rodgers is probably staying in green Bay, but we don't know. But really, Arizona, the Bears, and the Broncos. What are these? Th- what are these teams going to do? Like- it's it's going to be interesting, and all three of them are looking for kind of different things, right? Right. Like Chicago has their their quarterback on a rookie contract, so they'd be stupid to move on from that. Um, Denver just went, you know, all well. Actually, Denver and Arizona are very similar. They both just ponied up big time for quarterbacks that it didn't work out for a multitude of reasons. Russ, I have no idea what's going on there. I was texting with um, a couple. Oh, look at that. Breaking news. Jets offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur mutually parting ways. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. All right, moving on. Um, I was texting with Matt Okada of the NFL network and Matthew Betts of the fantasy footballers, a couple of former co-hosts of mine uh, early in the season and I was like, what if Pete Carroll knew that Russell Wilson wasn't that good, so he ran the ball so much to protect him from himself? And Okada was like, like well, mind-blowing emojis. It's possible, man. I don't know what's going on with Russ down there in Denver. It's, it's weird to see. I think it was a scheme. I think it was a scheme issue. I don't, they weren't getting him. Russ is better in chaos much like yeah. Drew Locke. So you need to get him in chaos. And Hackett wasn't willing to do that. He wanted him to be Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't need chaos to, to operate. He can operate in chaos, but it's never planned chaos. Sean Payton, I thought it was interesting. He was on Fox Sports like last week, week before, before the Broncos ever fired. I think it was before the, it was right after the Broncos fired Hackett. And they asked Sean Payton, what would you do to fix Russell Wilson? He's like, well, it's easy. I just designed the offense around him. There you go. Boom, done. Yeah. Do you don't make a guy like Russell Wilson fit your scheme? He's 33 no. going on 34. You do he's 34. You you design your offense around him. And to be fair, like he was viable in Superflex this year, despite everything. He was QB 16. So you were yeah. pretty safe to roll him out some weeks. I mean, there are weeks where you wish you hadn't rolled him out, but it got better later in the season. It's gonna be interesting to see how this all shakes out. 
Guys, this and this is one of the things that we'll talk about a lot this offseason is that these things matter more than you might think. I know you look at a player like, oh, he's just a stud. Sure, there are definitely guys like that that no matter where they are, they're going to produce. But there are other players like, here's a great example, Elijah Moore. You're not going to get a lot of production out of Elijah Moore unless he's in a specific role in a specific offense. He can't play just anywhere. His skill set doesn't just fit anywhere. That goes for guys like Cole Beasley a couple seasons ago. He was viable sometimes, but you never yep. knew when. But it was worth mm-hmm. it to pay attention. And you knew that if you paid attention, you knew the weeks he was going to get used because you knew the type of defense they were going to use him against. Right. So as we're talking about these things, guys, don't think we're just here to talk because we like to talk about football. This stuff does matter for your dynasty rosters and what else matters for your dynasty rosters. And this is where John comes in because he's kind of like the rookie whisperer guy loves rookies. I, I like rookies a lot, but John, like, I think he keeps pictures of them above his bed (laughs) posters just so he doesn't forget about them. I'm like Dexter's laboratory with my hand up to Bijan Robinson saying stunt on those hoes. Like, yeah. Speaking of yeah. Bijan Robinson. John, yeah, man. Is he the dynasty RB one? Uh, yeah. Rookie RB one. I should have put yeah. rookie in there not to be. You should have, you should have rookie RB one uh, far and away. It's, it's, it's not close. And and I hate when fantasy analysts say that it's not even close, but it's really not even close. Like Bijan is his own tier. Uh, so let's let's go through him a little bit here. He is a six foot, two hundred and fourteen pound true junior out of University of Texas. Uh, he was the number one ranked running back and the fifteenth overall prospect in the country in the twenty twenty high school recruiting class. Uh, three seasons at Texas. Um, his his freshman season. I almost said rookie season. His freshman season, he only had eighty six carries, but he toted those for 703 yards. That's an 8.2 yard per average clip and also logged 15 receptions for another 196 yards. His sophomore season is when he took over as the true bell cow for Texas in 2021. Uh, He played a 10 game schedule that year and he had 1,127 rushing yards at 5.8 yards per carry. So his average went down a little bit, but that's to be expected when you're a featured back. 11 touchdowns on the ground, another 26 receptions, 295 yards, and four touchdowns. This last year, he topped 1,500 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, He's an animal. And one of the things about Bijan, I think everyone gets really, really obsessed with speed, especially when it comes to running backs and wide receivers. Bijan Robinson is not the fastest guy on the face of the planet. He's not going to run a crazy fast blazing 40 time. And there's going to be some people that watch the combine and see him run and go, oh, no, Bijan's not elite speed. He's not an elite running back. But that's not his game. He is so instinctual and creative and patient and nuanced in his, like, fluidity. Like, I can wax on poetically about this guy's running style because it is beautiful. Like, it is artistic the way that he combines agility power vision like he's just kind of slalom skiing through defenses and then occasionally we'll hit a dude at the stiff arm and he can run people over if he needs to he's got power but he's just he just carves slowly through it's like watching someone slalom ski like down a hill like he just bobs and weaves and picks his holes and next thing you know it was effortless and it's a 12 yard run well see okay so that's it's interesting you say that because that was going to be the first thing I said 
<clears throat> once you will let me talk finally, John. Hey, is... sorry. You got me going on a <laughs> diatribe about Bijan. It's going to take a while. I knew it was going to happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So here's I'll the sit thing. back now. Exactly what you said. He runs like he's slalom skiing. He's he jukes and he moves through holes, but he's always moving downhill. Even when he's moving sideways, yep. he's still moving downhill. That's not a lot. You don't see that a lot in college running backs. That seems to be something that guys tend to learn at the next level, or they're kind of starting to grasp by their senior season if they stick around in college that long. The fact that he's already runs that style tells you that he's ready to play in the NFL. His size, like he, he, he's six foot, but he's yep. not Derrick Henry six three. So he's still got enough slightness against some of those linebackers and the defensive linemen that he can get through. I think we're looking at a guy who we're talking about in the same sentence as Brees Hall next season, as far as like what he is able to do with the prospective team. Bijan Robinson is a much better running back than Brees Hall, in my opinion. I think that Brees Hall was very, very good. Um, but B. John Robinson, and you keep hearing this rhetoric tossed around Twitter that he's the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. You know how much I love Jonathan Taylor. You know that I was like in love with him in 2020. Like I, he was my guy, Jonathan Taylor, one-on-one, no matter what. Bijan Robinson's running style is actually in, in a way very similar to Jonathan Taylor. They both showed that kind of patience and that fluidity at times. Um, but Bijan's vision and creativity, it just sets him apart. Bijan Robinson is a better running back prospect than Jonathan Taylor. I have him. Wow. He is so damn silky smooth. And we're looking at a guy that's going to go in the first half of the first round for the NFL draft. He's not sliding to pick 34 or whatever it was Jonathan Taylor went at. Like he's, he's going to go early because he is an elite difference maker of a running back and he can contribute in a variety of ways. He's also incredibly adept at catching passes as well. Like he is a three down workhorse running back from the second that he takes the field in the NFL. He is that good. Okay. So you walk into your rookie draft, you've got the one Oh one. Are you taking Bijan in every single format? All right. I'm taking him in two quarterbacks. I'm taking him in super flex. Because the quarterbacks in this class are good, but they have question marks. I don't think either one of them are elite quarterback prospects, like top, top tier guys. They're good when we're talking about Bryce Young and uh, CJ Stroud. They're both very good. Um, but to me, Bijan is so good that when he takes the field, I'm expecting him to produce at a really high level right away in the NFL. And when he does, his value skyrockets. So if you're a team that needs quarterback, you take Bijan, I think you can flip him for more value than what you're going to see out of the quarterbacks that you could also take with that draft pick. So to me, it's Bijan Robinson, 101, every format. I have a couple, I have a couple leagues uh, where I have the 101 and the 103, and I am just jonesing for that draft to happen because I'm taking Bijan at 101 and then whichever the two quarterbacks is left at the 103. All right, so we've talked a lot about Bijan, but I think we're going to cut off the Bijan talk because you know we're going to be talking about him probably – repeatedly this off season. He may be a weekly topic. We'll have to see, see if Joe can keep us in line. I don't know that he can. So we're going to move on to his backfield mate, yeah. Roshan Johnson. And you wanted to talk about him because they're both declared. They're both yes. entering the draft. Yeah. So uh, Roshan is, is a guy that if Bijan Robinson didn't exist, Roshan Johnson would be talked about as one of probably the top three to five running backs in this draft class. He's, 
Very, very good. He was the backup to Bijan, the backup. Um, but he still averaged six yards per carry. He's 6'2", 222. He's a big old running back, but he can also catch the ball that he showed this year. Um, he didn't get, you know, the workhorse role in college because Bijan Robinson was in front of him, but he still showed that he can be a difference maker at the running back position. Um, they would actually use him sometimes as a fullback too. They'd go like two running back sets and have him as a lead blocker out in front of Bijan. And it was crazy to watch. It was like old school Raiders football. Like it was, it was so cool. Um, but he's big, he's physical. He also has good agility. He breaks a lot of tackles. He doesn't go down easily. And he just has kind of a nastiness to him as a running back that, that I kind of like. So he's someone that is going to be very interesting to watch uh, during the NFL draft. I think that he could get day two draft capital. I think that he's that good. Um, we'll see if it happens, but he's someone that you're probably not even going to have to take in the first two rounds of your rookie draft. And unless the hype on him really starts to build a lot over the next few months, but as a late uh, dart throw that you can get in maybe the late second round or in the third round of your rookie drafts, he has a lot of traits that I think uh, show that he could do very, very well, like kind of a come out of the woodworks running back like a Damian Pierce in Houston this year or Elijah Mitchell when he was uh, when he came out last year with San Francisco. Oh, I can't hear you. I don't know if you knew this. There's a whole fringe of cats that are dynasty <laughs> diehards. Mr. Scampers, shout out. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you, friend. Okay, can I make this comparison? Just yeah. real quick. Joe Mixon and Samaj Piride. Yeah. Is that a fair comparison? I think so. I think Roshan's uh I think that Roshan probably has a little bit of a better skill set than Samaj Piride. But I mean these he, he was just such a, a capable backup when you, most of the time in college you have, if you're lucky enough to have one of these stud running backs, they see the ball all the time. And then if they ever need to come out for uh, a break, the defenses can kind of take a breath and go, okay, no, you can't take a break when you go from Bijan Robinson to Roshan Johnson in this backfield. So I think that he's, he's a power back, man. I don't think that he's going to be deployed a lot at the next level in the past pass, pass uh, catching role. Um, but as an early down back with size, with power, with potential to, you know, snipe some touchdowns, um, he's interesting. He's got, he's got value. I'm not saying that he's a, you know, top five running back in this draft class, but he's a, he's a good late round target that I think can carve out a a decent role in the NFL. I like it. So Roshan Johnson guys look for him at the back end of your rookie drafts. Of course, unless you're drafting before the NFL draft, maybe wait and see where he lands, what situation he's in. Cause if he's behind Derrick Henry, man, there there ain't a whole lot he's going to do his first. Season, <laughs> yeah, so. landing, landing spot's going to matter, but yes, yeah. yeah, someone absolutely. Keep an eye. Well, guys, I want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in. This has been a great first show, John. Any parting words here, my friend? No, I think I did enough talking. Um, yeah, dude, right? thanks for for getting on the mic, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this as we uh, continue this forward. Yeah, man. All right, guys. Well, tune in next week, Wednesday. 6 p.m. Eastern, same bat time, same bat channel. Whew, that was a blast, guys. We'll see you next week. I stay loose, I stay tight, I stay loose, I stay tight, I stay loose, I stay tight.